0: From the Decipher podcast, Uh, my guest today is Nate Cardozo from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who uh, you should all know and you should all be reading his stuff on the EFF blog and following his work if you aren't already. And uh, we're going to talk today about a a piece that Nate wrote recently about this kind of very troubling proposal that uh, the UK... um, spy agencies have for not really a backdoor, but kind of this weird workaround a backdoor of a backdoor for uh, encryption that they call the, the ghost uh, ghost protocol? Would that be a good uh, description of it, Nate?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not afraid to use the term backdoor to describe it either. I'm, I'm, I'm on record as calling it a straight up backdoor. It's just not the kind of backdoor that we've uh, thought about before.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. It, it's kind of, I, I think we should give them some points for creativity, at least, uh, if not like, uh, you know, something we want to see. But it, I don't know how exactly to describe this, but it, the idea is if you have an end to end encryption and encrypted uh, chat between two parties, they want to be able to insert a third party into that conversation that's kind of a ghost that neither of those two parties would know about. And that ghost would be, you know, for example, law enforcement or a spy agency or something like that. Is that the general idea?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and I can, I can break it down to specifics if you like. Uh, the implementation uh, that they've sort of sketched out for WhatsApp Would be exactly like what you just described. It would be on a conversation by conversation basis, silently turning a one-on-one conversation into a group conversation, and one of the members of the group uh, would be law enforcement. Um, That would, for WhatsApp, that would require um, some changes in the key management system. It would also require um, setting a flag on the on the conversation to force the client. Uh, not to disclose the fact that uh, it was now a group conversation and to continue to display the safety numbers the um, the key fingerprint uh, of the old conversation and which would essentially be a lie uh the the situation with iMessage which is the other technical implementation which they've sketched out would be a little bit different uh the target user okay so the way iMessage works is Users have more than one key. You have a, a key pair for every device that you have associated with a particular iCloud account. Um, mm-hmm. And so most users have, have multiple, devices, uh, multiple devices so that they have multiple keys. This would be inserting another key onto the user's key ring that the user would not be aware of. Um, and then it would suppress the pop-up notification you get on all of your Apple devices that says uh, a new device has been added to your account.
0: Which is kind of a more modern version of the key escrow idea. It's like an offshoot of that. Like, yeah, it's we're not going to
1: escrow on demand.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, we're not going to keep your keys, but we're going to insert one into your own key ring, and you're going to have to use that.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, the statutory background here, I think, is important for uh, for your listeners to to be aware of. In late 2016 over our and every other civil liberties civil society organization on the planet, um, over our objections. Um, the parliament in the UK, uh, approved, uh, what is now the investigatory powers act. Uh, and the investigatory powers act gives the home secretary, um, the power to order companies to do pretty much anything, um, including this. So, uh, They, they, to our knowledge, they haven't used the Investigatory Powers Act to uh, to get uh, one of these uh, one of these orders. The orders are called technical capability notices. If you hear Mm -hmm. me say TCN by mistake, that's what I'm talking about. To our knowledge, none of them, uh, nothing like this has dropped yet. Um, Emphasis on the yet.
0: Do we know whether they have a restriction in place that would prevent companies from disclosing the fact that they got one of those? Uh,
1: they, they do indeed. It is. Okay. Um, we, we know that, that such a restriction exists.
0: And do companies have some equivalent of like a warrant canary in place to say like, we haven't got one of these yet?
1: Um, no company, to my knowledge, has made such a statement um at, at EFF we're a little actually we're we're wary of warrant canaries we we don't consider them a best practice we consider a, a semi annual transparency report best practice instead um the the fear here is that warrant canaries um have never actually been ruled on by any court anywhere so far as we know um and so we want we we don't want the first case we you know we, we don't want Apple to install a warrant canary or to set up a warrant canary, um, and then, you know, hand hand that set of facts over to British courts, who don't have the same First Amendment constraints that that ours do. Um, we want to be certain about warrant canaries before we whether they're legal um, in the U.S. or the U.K. or anywhere uh, before we recommend that people actually implement them.
0: That's an excellent point. We should probably explain a, what a warrant canary is, and you know they they only popped up in the U.S. like within, or at least I only knew about them in the last probably five or six years or so. Whenever, um, you know, it, probably post Snowden, when all of these kind of secret demands started showing up and that kind of thing, and when companies would publish a transparency report, they would publish a little line at the bottom that would said that would say, we have not received a national security order or something along those lines. And then if that line disappeared in the next one, you would know that they had received one. Right. And that's a general idea, just saying like, we haven't gotten this yet. And then if it disappears, you have gotten it.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we think the best practice is, is to do that twice a year. Um, rather than saying, uh, I will PGP sign this statement every day. And if I don't sign it, you know that I've received an order. Um, we think that is potentially problematic, but, uh, just including the line in your transparency report, we think is a good idea.
0: Okay. Um, and so how do you think that this law in the UK is going to play out? I mean, you mentioned that we haven't seen any examples or we don't know any of any any examples yet. Um, how do you think it's going to play out, uh, like practically for the companies that are in the UK?
1: Well, um, the, the, the real answer is nobody knows. Um, right now, GCHQ did something... GCHQ is the, the British spy agency. It's their equivalent of NSA. Um, GCHQ did something, frankly, that surprised us uh, with this ghost proposal. They released it publicly. They started talking about it um, about a year ago at, at conferences uh you know, cr- cryptographic conferences and even some human rights conferences, believe it or not. Um, yep. And uh, then they, they formally introduced this proposal via a blog post on lawfare, which is a national security blog based in Washington, DC. Um, so they're, they're rolling this out somewhat publicly. It seems like what they're trying to do is gain public support. Um, if I had to guess, they're going to wait for, some kind of consensus in the um, tech policy community before trying to issue one of these things. Um, There's a a new body that the Investigatory Powers Act created in the UK um, called the Investigatory Powers Commission, which is a judge-like body. It's sort of a court, but it's not a court um, to rule on whether a technical capability notice is legal or not. Um, that body was was just constituted in the fall of last year, and we don't think it's spun up to work yet. Um, so we have some vague level of confidence that they actually haven't done it yet. Um, that will, and we, we may, they may actually be public about it. They they may they may not um, keep well. They'll definitely keep the details of any order secret, but they may not keep the fact that they've issued it secret, um, which is, that would be nice.
0: What do you think their advantage would be to make that public?
1: The same reason that the FBI made uh, their San Bernardino iPhone fight public. Uh, Yeah. The, The FBI made that one public because they thought they could win in the court of public opinion. Um, they were wrong. They lost in the court of public opinion and polling data um, went wildly against them. Uh, and they pulled the plug on, on that fight as, as a result. Um, so yep. my, my thought is if the UK can convince, you know, the times of London and the New York times that this isn't the worst idea in the world, then they might go forward.
0: It, which seems entirely possible, honestly, like, like, given recent history, it doesn't seem unlikely to me that they could convince uh, a small handful of media organizations that this is the best way to keep people safe.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the organizations that they really have to convince are Apple and Facebook. Um, yeah. I think that's definitely an uphill battle with Apple, and I'm sure hoping that it'd be an uphill battle with Facebook as well.
0: Yeah, you and I have talked about this before, especially with Apple. Um, They, you know, Apple and Facebook both have a kajillion dollars and do not have to kowtow to any certain country if they don't actually feel like it. So if they wanted to go on a, you know, if they wanted to resist something like this, they certainly could. Um, But do you see something like that as likely for one specific you know, company, whether it's Apple or Facebook or anyone else resisting this kind of order?
1: Um, you know, I have no idea. The, the countries, the, the UK has some real leverage against uh, a company like Apple or Facebook. Um, the UK could, could find them. Um, and if you, if you want to look at historical precedent, uh, we found out after the Snowden revelations that way back in 2008 or nine, I think, uh, Yahoo tried to fight an order of the, the FISA court in, in Washington, the Foreign Intelligence right. Surveillance yep. Act court. Um, and th- this was eventually unsealed in like 2014 or 15 or something. But it, it, it turned out that back in the day, the government had asked for and actually gotten... Uh, uh, a sanctions ruling from the court for not complying—that was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day, uh, doubling every week that the company didn't comply. Uh, <laughs> so two hundred and fifty grand a day for Yahoo, at least back in two thousand eight, actually wasn't that big a deal. Um, but uh, in in six months, that would be more money than has ever been printed in the history of the world. Uh, so so it is. I mean, and they're also, you know, they're also Apple and Facebook execs, uh, in the UK, um, Brazil tried this once they threw a Facebook exec in jail, uh, for refusing to turn over WhatsApp content.
0: Yeah. I remember that. And there's been recent examples in Russia and other countries, China, where they've, you know, kind of said, if you don't comply with our, you know, um, security and privacy laws, you're not doing business here. Um, does so that Apple seem could say
1: something like, okay, well then, UK iPhone users don't get iMessage, um, right? We could, right. We could see what would happen there.
0: Yeah, which you know, Tim Cook has been pretty vocal about a lot of this stuff. I don't think he's addressed this thing specifically, but he's addressed kind of the encryption backdoor idea. Um, he addressed, I think, the law and or the potential law at the time in Australia and said, you know, we are not down with this. So I wonder how these companies are gonna r- respond to this.
1: Um, you know, I hope that they will find a way of uh, inviting EFF's assistance when and if this happens. Um, Moxie Marlinspike, uh, the founder of Open Whisper Systems and the lead developer of Signal um, yeah. actually had a blog post that he's, he went out, he's on the record of saying he will not comply with this ghost idea, if he gets an order. Um, that's aggressive. Uh, yeah. But I like it.
0: <laughs> Moxie also really does not care what other people <laughs> think whatsoever.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, that is true.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's had a number of these. In you know, I think that they put out a blog post as well earlier saying not only won't we, but we can't. Like, we, we technically can't. Uh, give you a backdoor into our, our system because that's not how it works. Right, And I, I think there's a bunch of other systems like that that they just, if they were mandated to have a backdoor, their systems would just fail. They would have to like break their promises to users and either shut down or have a different business model.
1: That That's exactly right. Um, especially for open source projects like Signal, that shit's going to be real detectable. But even for closed source projects, um, my colleague, Seth, and I have a blog post, uh, which is, um, it's not actually ready to, to go yet, but hopefully it'll be out uh, end of this week or early next week, um, describing uh, four different technical methods where you could detect this so-called ghost in operation. Um, mm-hmm. You do some uh, some binary reverse engineering. Uh, you could do a, a cryptographic side channel attack. Um, sort yes. of the opposite of a regular side channel attack where you'd be trying to extract uh private key ma- material here. You'd be looking for the addition of an extra public key to a conversation. Um, but the same techniques all apply Uh crash log analysis and potentially even network traffic analysis could all detect uh, the ghost in operation. Um, obviously wiretaps are not intended to be detectable uh, in operation. So, um, we, we think that, you know, it's not actually as good an idea as GCHQ thinks it is.
0: But yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, but a lot of those methods, you know, are not things that are available to typical users who might be targeted by something like this, right?
1: Like that's right. Um, however, the, the, the network traffic analysis and the crash log analysis could mean that the ghost could be detected not necessarily by the target, although also by the target, but by unrelated third parties. You know, if your crash log is going to Samsung or Huawei uh, or Google, you potentially engineers at those companies could say, oh, look, there was something really weird going on in the way WhatsApp is using memory on this conversation that we've never seen before. It's calling functions that we've never seen called. Uh, So like, what the heck is going on? Um, and that could be even, you know, weirder from the law enforcement perspective to let an engineer in God knows where know that you're wiretapping (laughs) person X in your, in your country.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah. There's plenty of third parties and yeah, involved in this kind of stuff. So, um, from like a big picture perspective, Nate, where do you think all of this is going? You know, there's. Tons of these proposals. that We've seen dozens and dozens of different versions of, you know, key escrow or you know, uh, exceptional access or this kind of you know weird ghost proposal. Are we just going to keep seeing these until um, industry kind of acquiesces, or it, where is all this going?
1: Well, I think there's there's two options. The first is that is we will keep seeing proposals like this until industry acquiesces. Um, I hope that industry is not going to acquiesce easily. Uh, you know, I, I understand that these are for-profit companies and that they will do what their shareholders need them to do. Um, but yes. as you said, Tim Cook actually seems to have real conviction here. Um, and then the other possibility is that Governments wise up and listen to what the cryptographers have been telling them for the last 20 years, that there's no way to do this safely um, and and figure out a a different way of doing their jobs. Uh, You know, it wasn't so long ago that police had to spend manpower to follow someone around uh, or to, you know, plant a bug in their apartment. That's the kind of policing that end to end encryption does not defeat. Um, Yeah. And, you know, right, right now, yes, this is GCHQ pushing for it in, in the UK and not um, the, the Metropolitan Police or someone like that. But in the US, it's really been law enforcement and not the intelligence agencies that have been pushing uh, for, for backdoors or exceptional access. Um, the, the reason being, the intelligence agencies don't need them. If, <laughs> That's right. if, if they want someone's content, they'll pop the endpoint. Um so that sort of uh, capability sharing um, is you know w- with the right kinds of, of safeguards and judicial process and whatnot, uh, you know law enforcement should be thinking along those lines, not along the lines of popping everybody's endpoint all at once.
0: yeah, that's the thing you know I get questions from a lot of my friends who you know have no don't work in the tech industry and are super up on this stuff. And they're like, do I need to worry about this kind of thing? And I'm like, well, listen, if the NSA is going after you, you're already got, it doesn't matter. You know, like, forget about that. Like, that's not your concern. You can't defend against them.
1: No. and, And it's, um, the, the areas where we try and defend against those sorts of concerns are making mass surveillance more difficult. Uh, right. You know, if if they're targeting you, there's nothing you can do. Um, But we're hoping that they actually have to target you in order to get your stuff. um, And they're not just getting everybody's stuff all the time.
0: Yeah, which is where a lot of the kind of post-Snowden mass surveillance defenses come in, right? Like the Google, uh, you know, encrypting the links between all their data centers and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, probably made large swaths of the internet population much more secure than they were before that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and even just websites switching to https by default. Right. Um, you know, uh, a properly configured uh TLS connection, the NSA can probably break it, but it's going to cost them actual resources to do so and they're as opposed to back when everyone when everything was clear text over the wire, they could just Hoover it all up and store it forever.
0: Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, like things like HTTPS everywhere and let's encrypt and privacy badger and things like that all make, you know, tons and tons of, uh, everyday users much more secure than they were, you know, even five years ago, which is a huge advance in internet security.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. My, my colleagues upstairs who, uh, who designed the tools that you just mentioned, uh, deserve all yeah. the credit for that.
0: Yeah. that, in it's kind of great that those things are just freely available. You can just go and download them. They're not specialized. You don't need any knowledge. They they're just browser extensions for the most part, and they just make you much safer on the internet without even having to kind of think about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a, a a newer project which you didn't mention that my colleague Sydney works on, which is Start TLS Everywhere. Um, oh yeah. Which allows mail server administrators to ensure that they're opportunistically encrypting uh, mail server to mail server communications, which keeps even more plain text off of the wire.
0: Yeah. Which is great. Any time you can, you know, encrypt things on the wires, a, a big deal, I think. And it's, um, it's not end to end.
1: It's just point to point, but that's better than nothing. And right. nothing was the status quo ante.
0: <laughs> nothing definitely was the status quo. That's for sure. Um, so Nate, we've seen these, this, you know, the law in the UK, and we saw one in in Australia uh, in the same time frame a couple months ago. Um, Should US users be wary? I mean, there's been lots of talk about it. You know, you mentioned uh, the push has been from law enforcement in the US it has been from the FBI for years and years with this going dark thing. Um, Do you anticipate that? I mean, I can't imagine that's going away. The FBI is going to continue to push for some kind of backdoor, some kind of, um, you know, breakdown from industry. Do you anticipate any kind of legislation that would push that forward in the U.S.?
1: No, um, primarily because they don't. Well, there's a couple of reasons. First is Congress is. If you've been paying attention, relatively divided right now and, and pretty good <laughs> yes. at not doing anything. <laughs> um, so that's one. Number two is, uh, there are some first amendment issues involving compelled speech that make such an order more problematic in under us law than under UK law. Um, so there's, this is an untested argument, but it's untested in both directions. The government has never tried to do anything like this. Um, there's an untested argument that says you can't force a company to produce code that they don't want to, because that's compelled speech, coding being expressive activity. Um, yep. So there are First Amendment problems here. But also, if Australia or the UK succeeds in getting you know, Apple or, or WhatsApp to build one of these ghosts or some other kind of backdoor into their system, then we don't need to force them to do it because they've already done it. It's not like you can um, backdoor just the Australian users or just the UK users. You can't geofence this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So once the system is there, the FBI will be able to use it. Although the
0: exception is the kind of thing that they were trying to do with the San Bernardino phone with, like, one specific device where they wanted Apple to build, like, a backdoored version of iOS and then load it onto that device. Right. Right. Um, yeah.
1: That I don't think they're going to try that strategy again, but who knows?
0: <laughs> no, it did not work well. No. Um So what else do you think we're going to see? I mean, I, I know it's hard to tell in the political climate in the U S, especially with our government, not actually functioning uh, right now, but what kind of, Things do you anticipate seeing in this in this arena in the next couple of months?
1: Um, so I think we'll probably. So um, what's his name? Cyrus Vance, who's the Manhattan District Attorney, has been mm-hmm. one of the most vocal uh, proponents of a legislative backdoor in the United States. Uh, yeah. If he, so wa- watch for his political ambitions. Um, He's obviously an ambitious guy. He's not going to be the DA of Manhattan forever. Um, If he runs for New York Attorney General or Congress, uh, watch out because that's going to be one of his, I don't know, maybe not first, but it's going to be one of his priorities. Um, Otherwise, uh, my own Senator, Dianne Feinstein is a huge fan of backdoors. Uh, So what she, she is now out of the uh, chairmanship of the Judiciary Committee and she's on Uh, Oh, no, sorry. She's off Intel and on judiciary. So she's actually better positioned now um, to make trouble uh, Hmm. regarding crypto. Um, I honestly don't think anything is going to move in the United States. Um, The Trump administration has been uh, not even close to organized enough to think about something like this. This is, you know, this is a real technical policy position. And they don't even, you know, they didn't have a, a, a science advisor until uh, late last year. Um, they went two years right. almost without a science advisor, which is just wacky. Um, but, you know, I, w- I wouldn't, I'm not looking to see anything come out of the Trump administration anytime soon.
0: All right. Well, I guess that's some good news on this, uh, on this front. Yeah, they just not organized enough to get things done. Which is good. And there's also some you know legislators like Ron Wyden and Ted Liu and um, some others who are very vocal on on these kind of matters and tend to have a lot of influence, especially Ron Wyden, who you know is kind of pushing on a lot of fronts on this. So hopefully he'll kind of continue on that on that path.
1: Yeah. Um, Wyden has definitely been our friend on surveillance issues.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's doing a lot. And I've, we've also seen like a, a million kind of privacy bills in act or introduced in the last few months. And it'll be interesting to see how those all get kind of mishmashed together. But given that the government isn't actually functioning, I don't know if that any of those will actually go anywhere anytime uh-huh. soon. Yeah, good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, Nate. Thanks so much for your time, man. This is really great. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of explain all this and uh, give us all the details on all this kind of stuff. It was great.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, if you want to read more uh, about the ghost or about encryption backdoors, go to EFF.org. Um, and we publish all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Check out the Deep Links blog on uh, EFF. It's really great. It's good stuff. Thanks again, Nate. Thanks, Dennis. Take care. Take care.